You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning and welcome to Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. That's Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408. Mark Teresi here sitting in for Father Greg Sakowitz, who is busy, busy, busy on this All Saints, uh, Feast of All Saints, saying Mass over at Holy Name Cathedral. Uh, you can see us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago, and we're going to have a great show, great show this morning. We're going to be talking about Mother Cabrini. But before that, I just wanted to let people know there's a special event at Holy Name Cathedral uh, tonight at 7 o'clock, um, and it's celebrating uh, the late Cardinal Joseph Bernadine. It's an anniversary of his death. He died on November 14, 1996. And tonight there'll be a special, special program. Now, more than ever, the prophetic voice of Cardinal Joseph Bernadine be a wonderful evening. Father Scott Donahue from Mercy Home will be introducing the evening. Actually, Sister Joan McGlinchey, who's our, one of our guests today, will be do, doing the closing prayer. Stephen Millis from the Bernadine Center. Father Cleet Kylie will be involved. Andy McKenna, um, who helped the Cardinal start Big Shoulders. Rabbi Wendy Geffen. Monsignor Ken Velo will be involved. It'll be a wonderful evening at Holy Name at 7 o'clock this evening. So please join us if you can in person. If you cannot in person, it will be live streamed, uh, holynamecathedral.org. So if you have some time, please let's honor Cardinal Bernadine and his wonderful gift to the Archdiocese of Chicago by tuning in and seeing how his impact is still a part of our Archdiocese. And then on a personal note, just uh, keep in your prayers uh, the family of Father Bill Keneally, who passed away this past week. He's a giant here, priest in Chicago. He was at pastor at St. Gertrude's when he retired. He was at St. Nicholas Nevinson, St. Paul of the Cross. Monday this evening um, is the prayer service. Actually, Father Grassi, who's our, one of our guests today, will be conducting that. And his funeral is tomorrow at 10 o'clock, St. Gertrude's. So... Please keep Father Bill and the Keneally family in your prayers. And now we begin. We begin celebrating 75 years of sainthood. Mother Cabrini's feast day begins the Jubilee year in honor of the 75th anniversary of the canonization of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Cardinal Supitz petitioned Pope Francis through the apostolic penitentiary of, is that correct, Father Emil? Yes, it is. Oh, thank you, of the Vatican to declare a special jubilee year beginning this November 13th and ending on the same date, November of 2022. We've been blessed with his approval. The theme for this celebratory year is Christ's love heals the world. 
The inaugural liturgy will begin with the opening of the Holy Doors, Saturday, November 13th at 3.30 p.m., followed by Mass at 4 p.m. at the Shrine. Correct. Our guest today to help us talk about the wonderful life and impact of Mother Cabrini, Sister Joan McGlinchey, who is um, the local super, uh, superior for the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart, Mother Cabrini's order, and she's also vicar for religious for men and women here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Father Ramil Fajardo, who is the brand new rector at the Shrine of Mother Cabrini, and he's also a dear friend of ours from Holy Name Cathedral, and you also have another job, you're in charge of the tribunal. In charge of the tribunal. So he had nothing going, so they named him rector at, <laughs> at, at the shrine. And Father Dominic Grassi, who's a dear friend, who has some personal stories about Mother Cabrini, Columbus Hospital, and how his life and his priesthood is connected to her ministry. So welcome, Sister Joan, Father Emil, Father Dom. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Sister Joan, you're the superior of the missionaries here in Chicago. Could you give us a little bit of background, uh, your take on Mother Cabrini? Maybe a little bit of her history and then how you connected your vocation to the missionary sisters. Well, good morning. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I First of all, I'm just a sister. I'm not a superior. I, oh, I'm you're there. not? We, we, our superior is in, in New York. So uh, I'm just a little sister of a member of the community, and we only are a few sisters here. But I think the connection to Mother Cabrini, there is so much to learn from Mother Cabrini's life. And I think in these times, which we are coming out of the COVID uh, epidemic, and hopefully will continue to come out of it, uh, that we have experienced our vulnerability. Mother Cabrini embraced her vulnerability and it helped her understand the vulnerability of others. The new immigrants, other people who uh, came, came her way who did not know Christ, who she wanted very much to experience the love of Christ. So the purpose of her, her mission was to bring the love of Christ across the world. And I experienced it. Um, I just heard something this morning about one of my one of my teachers in high school who is coming home to our nursing home in New York to 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 go home to God. She's in the final stages of her life. And, uh, you know, I am impressed by the uh, the sisters I had in high school impressed me. They were very different, very missionary, very diverse in their ethnicity, in their backgrounds. And um, we at our soul was our school very diverse. So I think it prepared me for uh, for the broader world. But the mission uh, of Mother Cabrini was very inclusive of all kinds of people. Even though she focused on immigrants in, in our city, she also um, she also had relationships with all kinds of people, with surgeons, with bishops, with you know uh, non-Catholics. And she welcomed she really welcomed everybody with her sense of mission. So I, you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you some things this morning. Let's Great. see here some other people. Thanks, Sister Joan. And uh, when you say relationships with bishops, I heard some of them were a little pretty fiery relationships too. <laughs> she was a woman of conviction and purpose, and a clear vision of where she felt her ministry needed to move. So let's move on, Father Ramil. What about you? As new, why did you say yes to be rector of the shrine? I tell this story all the time about how when I was in grade school, 
I, I can't remember exactly, but it was might have been third grade at Ascension Catholic grade school out of Oak Park. We went on a field trip, and we went to the chapel of, uh, okay. of the shrine. Mm-hmm. And as, a, as kids, what, eight years old, we were touring the chapel, but we were shown the major relic of Mother underneath the high altar. And you know how kids are, and I mm-hmm. think even adults. It's like, mm-hmm. ooh, it's a big bone. And I just remember very clearly bringing my nose up right as close as possible to the glass where the relic was because I couldn't believe it. Now, that was just as a kid, mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting that our paths crossed again over the years, and also as a student of church history, studying more and more about our, our local church and its role in the world, I couldn't help but be intrigued and excited about the fact that the United States had her first American citizen saint, and it was here in Chicago. Isn't it wonderful? Amazing how important Mother Cabrini really truly is for Chicago. But as Sister Joan and the sisters would say, not just Chicago, but for the universal church. So my interest has always been, wow, we've got someone special here. And and it's funny that you mentioned when you were young because my interest, I grew up at St. Clement's Parish. Mm-hmm. And one of the assignments I had was to serve Mass at the shrine at the on Sunday. And I remembered two things about that. One was how wonderful the shrine was, just walking into that shrine, and the priests were wonderful. And uh, But the other thing I remember is the nuns were so kind to us, and we got to go have breakfast downstairs <laughs> in the cafeteria. We just, but she just was totally connected. To me, I taught fifth grade at St. Clement's. I took the kids over to the shrine because I wanted them to see, you know what, saints walk the walk in our world. They're not up in the air. Uh, they, they walk. She walked here. She did good work here, and she was wonderful. Father Don, what about you? How are you connected? Did we? Are we back? There we are. Father Don. I can't hear you. Let's move on to um, Sister Joan. Let's go back to you. So could you give us a little bit of Mother Cabrini's early history? How did she end up becoming uh, a religious? Well, she had a desire as a child, you know, as she had a very, very strong, I think, experience of Christ's love in her first communion and confirmation. But I think, you know, sometimes that is she grew up in a in a family that um, understood something about the universal mission. You know, her dad used to read to her from the Annals of the Propagation of the Faith. Uh, she desired to go to um, M- the Milan. She was part, they were part of the, uh, her town, Sant'Angelo Lodigiano, was part of the Milan diocese then. And they were a great mission-sending diocese. They had missionaries who went, you know, around the world. So she had a sense, and she had a dream of going to China. And it was a very, you know, a, a childlike dream, a dream of bringing, you know, uh, she gave up chocolates as a child in order to sacrifice. If she went to China, they wouldn't have chocolates. So, I mean, and, you know, she had a very simple sense. She thought that, ahead. You know, yeah, she right. thought she ahead. Had, right. They didn't, have, they didn't have chocolates in China. But, you know, she had a sense of um, a sense of wanting to, she had an experience of Christ's love, which was very personal. And she had a desire that others would know that experience. She did not set out to be a foundress. She tried to enter two communities in the north, both Sacred Heart, you know, communities, mm-hmm. and they she, they didn't accept her. 
and she was frustrated. They didn't accept her because of her poor health. And, oh, wow. you know, when you think of the um, kind of the fragile people of the world, the vulnerable people who she she was, uh, you know, she did not intend to be a foundress. She kind of uh, was an active laywoman in her parish. She was a teacher who taught in a parish school in neighboring town, came back and was handed over a ministry that uh, was under the um, the local bishop, uh, a child care, an or- really an orphanage in, in Cudonio. And she really only thought she'd stay there for three months. She ended up staying there for six years wow. and went through a trial of any that anyone could uh, could could recognize of living with two people who were not religious and who were trying to uh, then she was trying to you know care for these kids and run and help them run the uh, run the institution. So she had an early um, a difficulty kind of coming to into her dream um, in being a missionary. And then you know uh, as finally in in 1880 time was up with this house of providence, which she was in, uh, that she was said, um, she wanted to be a missionary. And so her, her spiritual advisor and, and the local ordin- uh, bishop said to her, well, found, if you want to be a missionary, there's no such, we don't know of any order that just, just for women found one yourself. So she said, I will look for a house. She found a house an abandoned Franciscan monastery. And with the first five, six women started the community in November of um, 1880. Beautiful. And so there is a, um, a time that uh, she saw the, with the idea of going to China, you know, eventually preparing missionaries to go where the gospel was not preached. And yet she heard the cry, you know, kind of some years later with uh, a convergence of factors, the need in the United States for for Italian-speaking missionaries, people who would minister to people, and also the fact that there was a um, kind of a convergence of, uh, you know, what are we going to do with all of these, you know, 13 million Italians emigrated in that period yeah. of um, late late 1880s through the 90s. 13 million. Yeah, came, some of my, uh, some, left, of my some of my left, family. So some when of you my look family. At it, she needed, you know. <laughs> so she had, you know, she kind of did not. She founded a community to be missionary and with the idea. And then her dream was altered by the Holy Father, by Leo the Thirteenth. And you gotta listen to you, you, know. you gotta listen to him. We're we're gonna take a little break. WNDZ seven fifty AM on your dial Catholic Chicago. You can see us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Um, Sister Joan, it's interesting because I looked up a few of Mother Cabrini's prayers and you were talking about she didn't always have straight line and listen to this prayer for discernment my jesus i've not always recognized your loving plans for me every day with the help of your light i learn more of your loving care continue to increase my awareness of the gentleness of your loving plans i want to follow the purpose for which i was created see i am in your hands help me to choose the best way to serve you walk with me jesus stay by my side and guide me. A wonderful prayer for every one of us. Uh, Please stay tuned. We'll be back in a few minutes.
Do you have an old bicycle that's not being used? Consider donating it to Catholic Charities Veterans Bike Project of Lake County. Skilled volunteers are refurbishing bicycles to make them safe and ready to be used by veterans to get to and from their new places of work. We also gratefully accept financial contributions that are used to purchase bike helmets and other safety accessories. Our veterans have faithfully served the United States and now it is our privilege to serve them. For more information on the Veterans Bike Project of Lake County, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. I'm a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. In recent weeks, many people have reached out to Catholic Charities to ask what we are doing to help our Afghan brothers and sisters. They also ask how they can join us in our work. Current estimates suggest that 50,000 refugees are headed to our shores in the coming weeks. Based on a decade of experience in refugee resettlement, we predict that it will cost $50,000 to resettle a family of four for six months. This includes housing, food, clothing, and other urgent needs as they establish new lives in Chicago. As Jesus tells us, whatsoever you do for the least of my people, that you do on to me. Please assist us as we welcome the first 10 families. Visit catholiccharities.net to donate to our special refugee resettlement appeal or call WNDZ 750 AM Catholic Chicago 312-255-8408 if you have a Mother Cabrini recollection or story 312-255-8408 you can see us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago and Father Emil before we talk about our, our uh, Jubilee year I, I'm going to ask Father Grassi who I omitted to say in our introduction. He's a retired pastor from St. Gertrude's. He was at St. Josephat's, taught at Quigley South, prolific author. But he also has uh, Mother Cabrini slash Columbus Hospital, very personal story. Don, would you care to share that with us? I can't hear him. You want me to tell his story? <laughs> I don't know the whole story, but I know part of the story. If we well, I'll save it in case we, in case we can get him back on. 
So let's talk about the Jubilee year, Father Ramil. First of all, how did it come about and what does it mean for us as Catholics here in Chicago and around the country? Well, when I was uh, being interviewed to uh, take on duties at the shrine, a lot of the uh, impetus on my part was to come up with some ideas that would bring more attention to the shrine. With Columbus Hospital gone, we have a wonderful uh, liturgical setting as well as a place for prayer, really in a, in a very beautiful mm-hmm. neighborhood. So in thinking about what would be a contribution to the church in Chicago, I thought, well, why not study Mother Cabrini again? And what we found was that, hey, it's actually her 75th anniversary of canonization. Mm-hmm. And I had checked with the sisters, and I said, would you object if I bring up a possible jubilee year, a special year of prayer in Thanksgiving, which led to further and further discussions about begins in prayer, uh, continues in celebration, and resolves to carry the mission forward. So there have been a lot of really great talks about what do we now do once we celebrate Mother Cabrini's anniversary. Do you have a little bit of a teaser for folks about what you're thinking about? Or you and the committee are thinking about well for the jubilee year we have a special uh, we have a special ceremony on November thirteenth to open the holy doors. The Holy Father graciously granted the plenary indulgence for visiting the shrine and pilgrimaging, and teaming up with Holy Name Cathedral. Yes, thanks to a very generous benefactor, there is going to be a wonderful gift to Holy Name uh, that will be donated. And it ties the shrine and the cathedral together for the very obvious reason that as Mother Cabrini died at Columbus Hospital, she also worshipped at Holy Name Cathedral in her time in Chicago. So a tie up with with, uh, the cathedral and special programs, it's a work in progress at this time. But certainly the the donation of a beautiful statue is going to be the biggest event uh, that we've got planned at the cathedral and the shrine. Now, full full disclosure. So I'm half Italian. Mother Cabrini, I grew up in the neighborhood. I love Mother Cabrini. And I was at Mercy Home for many, many years. And outside the chapel at Mercy Home, the small chapel where they filmed the mass, are the pictures of the superintendents. All of them were Irish or part <laughs> Irish descent. So I would take donors around and I would say, you know, Father so-and-so and Father so-and-so and Father Close and Father Dario. And I said, they're all Irish. And then I'd walk in the chapel. I said, but the only saint that ever prayed in this chapel was Italian. <laughs> Mother Cabrini <laughs> played it, prayed in the chapel at Mercy Home. Sister Joan, t- tell folks a little bit about the Missionary Sisters today. And, and what I know the charism is actually the theme for our jubilee year christ love heals the world is the charism the theme for your order tell folks a little bit about what the missionary sisters are about in today's world well thank you thank you mark i appreciate this opportunity you know we are essentially missionary but we've had in in the united states we've had and in parts of the world we've had many institutions which now are no many of them are no longer part of our 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 life and what we basically the institute is reclaiming and deepening its missionary identity with africa as one of the horizons wow. mm. uh, reaching out we went in the last uh, two years even be- right before covid we went to uganda to open a mission 
for refugees and uh, and you know people who are coming into the uh, the border from South Sudan. We have a sister, one sister who has been in three countries as a missionary. She's from California, Therese. She is in South Sudan as part of the universe, uh, the Superior's General Project of working in South Sudan in a very dangerous situation wow. uh, with war and, and unrest. We are also stretched out to the the bound the peripheries in our own country. Uh, we did have an immigrant ministry in Chicago until recently, but basically we have a couple of in, immigrant, specifically immigrant ministries in New York, in the counties, and also in New York City, and also in upstate New York for a while. So the, we are trying to um, to reach out to unmet needs in different parts of the world, and even where we are in in countries, we are in 17 countries around the world, wow. and we are re-articulating the outreach to those who are on the margins, following Pope Francis' inspiration, following his teaching of meeting people, meeting these unmet needs of, of peoples who are are underserved. And, um, you know, I think in my own life, I'm, I'm privileged to be part of the, still be part of the board of a hospital that was once ours, um, St. Anthony's. Uh, in this, in this in very Chicago, city. in Chicago, yeah, in Chicago, yes, St. Anthony's on Nineteenth uh, in California. Mm -hmm. It was our hospital, and now it's under the archdiocese. So we are still a Catholic high school hospital, and I'm proud to be, to know that we we served uh, we served a high COVID population in our neighborhood, fifty percent African American, fifty percent uh, uh, Latino, and it is a very. Uh, I was just there on Saturday to get my booster shot, <laughs> so uh, I thought of. Uh, you know, I, I, I look every time I walk in, I feel Mother Cabrini's presence in that place. Mm -hmm. I feel the the sense, even though originally it was a Franciscan hospital, and we that we took over in the 90s. But it basically the presence to people who are underserved, in whatever wherever we are, is part of our charism today, and the new outreach. It was making a priority missions to per people who are not who are underserved. We are in Eswatini, which was Swaziland. We've been there for 52 years. We are in Ethiopia, where our vocations are coming from. Wow. Not only Ethiopia, but also other parts of Africa. So we, you know, our future is in God's hands, really. Yes, it always and not is. in our own, but in the sense of uh, there are people who are attracted to the charism, less in Western countries, less in Italy, mm -hmm. less in the United States. But um, we are mm -hmm. still, you know, trying to be true to the grace that God has given us in the charism given to Mother Cabrini for the church. Beautiful. And now I think Father Dam is there where he can share with us oh, how, he's, how yeah. he's connected with Mother Cabrini and, Hello. and Columbus Hospital. Father Dam? Hello, here I am. Okay, you're on. Hello. I gave you an intro twice. Go ahead. Great, great. Thank you. I apologize. I my computer is acting up. I've got all the buttons in the right place, but that's life. Um, my connection to Mother uh, Cabrini is lifelong. I was born at Columbus Hospital, as were my brothers. Um, that was the only hospital our family knew. At one point, uh, my my grandmother, my uh, my father, my brother, and my uncle were all in at the same time in different rooms. So oh, we, uh, uh, we have a close connection with the hospital. When I was about 10 years old, I was given the task by my mother to uh, stay with my grandmother when she went shopping because my grandmother did not speak a word of English. 
uh, being Italian, and uh, and she would get lost on the way home. But every time we came home, we had to stop by Columbus Hospital. Thank God we didn't live that far from it. Hmm. We would pay a visit. And uh, one of the sisters would be there to talk to me, to give me some candy. <laughs> and I remember seeing clearly the uh, room where Mother Cabrini died. I uh, remember all of that. Um, they're very close connection with the hospital. Our family doctor, Dr. Silvio Del Chica, was brought to Columbus Hospital specifically by Mother Cabrini. And uh, he is honored when you go to the beautiful chapel at the shrine. And I really encourage people to take the opportunity to visit the shrine. It's a, it's a great spot to visit. Um, but if you look up uh, to the ceiling, there's a beautiful uh, mural uh, showing all the immigrants coming into Chicago. And there's one immigrant uh, carrying a suitcase with a big bushy mustache, and they use Dr. Del Kika as the model for that. <laughs> and there's always something whenever I go into the to that, because he was such a healer. And that's what she did. It wasn't just to to get people to get medical care, but to heal them. And healing is much a part of the soul as it is of the body. Yes. And so uh, the hospital means so much to me. When when they when they uh, saved the shrine, uh, and I went to it for the first time after the big building was built around it, I was thrilled. The same. Um, beautiful doors to get into the mm -hmm. shrine were there when it was a hospital. It brings back so many wonderful memories of all it meant to me and to my family. And my family was just one of tens of thousands, maybe even more than that, of immigrants who had a place where they could feel comfortable. Uh, and that continued on when I became pastor of St. Joseph, just a, a few blocks west of, of Columbus Hospital there in the shrine. Um, we knew that the street people who came to our door also was able to come to the hospital and, and get sandwiches. And when that was no longer a possibility, uh, they were able to make the sandwiches in, in the hospital cafeteria and distribute them from St. Clement's Parish. Always that sense of outreach to the needs of the people wherever they were there, reflecting the, the wonderful, wonderful image of Mother Cabrini. And, and, I, and uh, when my mother died and I... I got her little prayer book. There was pages were falling out of the prayer book. There was a holy card of Mother Cabrini in there as well. Beautiful. She touched the lives and faiths of so many people in so many ways. Beautiful. Thank you, Father Don. We're going to take a little break. Uh, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m., Catholic Chicago. You know, as you were telling the story and Sister Joan was talking about walking into St. Anthony Hospital, my image is I remember those steps, the steps <laughs> to those doors. Uh, were so welcoming. Uh, you just knew you were walking into a holy space. Um, before we take the break, uh, just wanted to share another prayer from Mother Cabrini. This was probably fits us during this COVID time. Prayer for anxiety. This, and these are from her retreat notes. Um, Jesus, fortify me with the grace of your Holy Spirit and give your peace to my soul that I may be free of all needless anxiety, solicitude, and worry. Help me to desire always that which is pleasing and acceptable to you, so that your will may be my own. We'll be back in a few minutes. When we come back, I'm going to ask Father Ramil to talk to us a bit about the shrine, how people can get to the shrine, and how the shrine is going to be a part of this jubilee year. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. 
ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Welcome back. Es fabuloso verlos. Dobrze jest znowu być razem. It's good to be together again. After so many months apart, pandemic capacity limits have been lifted, and we want to welcome everyone back to church. We can all pray together again. And listen as our choirs lift their voices in song. We've been together in spirit. And now when you are ready, our doors are open wide. Nuestras puertas están abiertas de par en par. Nasze drzwi są otwarte. And we're here to welcome you back to Catholic Mass. Cemetery Ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, or you can listen and see us on youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We're with Father Ramil Fajardo, who is the rector at the Shrine of Mother Cabrini. We're with Sister Joan McGlinchey, who is not the superior of the religious here. She is the, I don't, the title would be probably... Collegial head, not head <laughs> sister, um, and Father Dom Gracio, who has shared beautiful stories about Mother Cabrini. I, I want to share a story before we before we get into our next little um, section. Um, I keep forgetting. You know, I I served mass there, and it feels like yesterday, but it was fifty plus years ago. 
And uh, I don't know, Sister Joan, if you ever heard this story, but there was a priest that would say Mass when I was there um, later on, uh, Father Luigi, and I can't remember his last name. And he was pastor at St. Philip Benizzi, which was a very Italian parish. My grandfather would take us there for Mass, and they had this Italian group. They sold insurance. I really don't know what that was all about. <laughs> but, but anyway, so Father Luigi would come say Mass at the shrine. But the story told, and Don probably has heard this, the story told was when he was at St. Philip Benizzi, he had an associate pastor who was dying. And say it was a Tuesday, and the doctor said he's not going to last till tomorrow. So Father Benici sent out the notice that the wake was going to be Friday and the funeral was going to be Saturday at St. Philip Benici. Well, the, the associate didn't die. So it was Thursday, and he sends out a notice to all the priests, due to circumstances beyond my control, <laughs> we're postponing the funeral. <laughs> but, but he was the, part of the Italian community connected to... Um, to Columbus Hospital. I asked Father Emil before the break, could you tell us a little bit about the shrine, how people can, you know, Dom told the beautiful stories about the shrine. How, how do people, tell us about the shrine, then how do we get there? Well, being a freestanding chapel now, and it's still in the neighborhood, 2520 North Lakeview Avenue. Can I back up? Sure. Tell people what a shrine is. What's the difference between a parish, a shrine? A shrine is a designated place, a holy, uh, a place where sacraments can take place, usually very limited for purposes of uh, non-competition with the parish. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. a shrine, in essence, is a chapel where services like mass, confessions can take place, but are limited because they're not a parish. Okay. Uh, Everybody belongs to a canonical parish. So that is the emphasis. The church has always said your local parish is your community. The shrine served the community of Columbus Hospital. So as a result, Mass could be said there. It's a place of prayer. The Blessed Sacrament could be reposed. They mm-hmm. would have confessions. But it's not a typical parish. In fact, it's not a parish environment. So it's just more to provide a service, the sacramental life of the church, in a specific community. And a place also of devotion, obviously, for Mother Cabrini. Right. So the shrine was, uh, the current building was established and consecrated in 1956. And because of that, it has gotten a certain, well, it has a beautiful reputation in the Mm -hmm. archdiocese because of the splendor, the work of art that the shrine really is. It's just magnificent. And the restoration and repair work that took place demonstrates that sacred art really still moves the human soul. That's why this Jubilee year, in the first place, is to welcome everyone to come home, experience the shrine as a beautiful place to sit, relax, and just uh, encounter God. And tell people where it is, and but also then let's go through. So you, we'll go through kind of walking through those doors, and what do you see? But go ahead. Where is it at? And maybe how the website, how people can connect with it. Right. The, uh, the shrine is located at 2520 North Lakeview Avenue. That is Lakeview, and the North Street would be Deming Place. The South Street would be St. James Place. So it's right on the corner. And being Lincoln Park, parking is always kind of terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are available parking spots in a designated uh, lot 
uh, a little further down on Deming Place, entry, uh, entries on Deming Place. And you could check the website for that, and it should be on the screen right here. Uh, it's it's a tight neighborhood simply because of uh, because of the high density. Now we have radio listeners too, oh. so can you give them the website location? Uh, Maybe Sister Joan, do you know it? Do I, I don't know it offhand. I don't know it offhand. No, I, I apologize. I don't. I have know. it as a tab on my computer. <laughs> and I'm sure if you do Shrine of Mother Cabrini, it will come up. Yeah, National Cab- Shrine. National Shrine. Yeah, Cabrini National Shrine dot org. I think. Okay. So, so they walk in those doors. And as Father Grassi said, the steps right up, Chapel of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, the beautiful golden doors, which leads you right into the chapel. And it's such a spectacular entry point. The minute you walk in, you're just, your breath is taken away. Your, your eyes just all of a sudden rise upwards mm-hmm. just because of the design of it all. It, it really designates a very special place in the heart of that old Columbus Hospital. Now, say, Sister Joan, your missionary sisters did a beautiful job of saving that chapel. Can you give a little bit of background on how that happened? Not many shrines have this huge condominium facility built over it and around it. I think it was an adventure for us, those of us who were involved. I was involved with our, our, our council, our community council, and also our financial director, uh, two laymen who helped me and this local sisters to really struggle for 11 years the shrine was closed. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we went through various iterations. It, it changed hands from the original buyer. There was a great deal of uncertainty, a great deal of uh, anxiety, and a great deal of opposition from some local people. Really? To be honest with you. Wow. So, so there was a, you know, there was an, uh, you know, the idea of parking, you know, being one mm-hmm. of the issues. The idea of, well, you know, what, not knowing what it is. People knew what a hospital was. And yet, even when we the hospital was closed in 2002, the, um, there was uh, quite a bit of, you know, concern about what would happen next. So mm-hmm. there, there, but we didn't realize that it would take 11 years to reopen it. And there would be so much, um, you know, everything would be torn down and everything and then built up from scratch, you know, except mm-hmm. for the chapel. So it was, a, you know, we had to negotiate space. So we have a permanent easement to enter the condominium building. That's the entrance was rebuilt. Wow. And that was pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we lost the parking lots across the street because they were so, you know, sold. So there was a whole adventure involved. And it was a per- perseverance of the team, I call them, and mm-hmm. people who supported us to deal with all of the um, questions and, and the neighbors who said, well, what is... Um, you know, what is this place? You know, mm-hmm. the, the hospital was, you know, the hospital's always been of service, but after 97 years of service, when we closed the hospital, there was controversy then too. So, right. you know, dealing with reality and dealing with the fact that we would open it for the sake of the people of Chicago, the archdiocese, the people of the United States, and also it would be an, an opportunity for evangelization. We didn't understand exactly what that would mean, but it was more than just, it was not to be a museum to Mother Cabrini. Mm-hmm. It right. was to be an opportunity to continue the mission in some way. So so with, you know, scaffolding and removing the relic temporarily, I mean, there was a whole bit of adventures. And uh, <laughs> we had some interesting collaboration from Father Father Fragamini, for example, oh, from sure. Lady of Pompeii. He was a very uh, helpful to us. But this was, this was really 
uh, it was really a very uh, a great adventure and an adventure that I think Mother Cabrini would would smile at. Oh, know, I think she would. I think her hand was in this. <laughs> I, I do. But and so far, this is now this was go ahead. Yeah, this was the opening, I think. So mm-hmm. for our radio listeners on YouTube, we're seeing some wonderful pictures of the restoration and the opening. And it was just a beautiful celebration. Now, Dom. As you, you've come back to the chapel and said mass there as a priest, um, what, what's it like coming back to a place where you were born? Um, it was a great spiritual experience for me. It really and truly was, and uh, I was able to help out. When uh, the chaplain there was uh, dealing with some health issues, I was able to come in. I had just retired, and so to do the either Saturday evening Mass or Sunday Mass. And when I walked in the first time to do it, I had a, a big smile on my face because uh, um, when Dr. Del Kika died, um, they wanted to do his funeral there. And at that time, that wasn't allowed because it wasn't a parish church. But because Cardinal Cody was a patient there, and by the way, we always knew when Cardinal Cody was a patient there because there's always a kneeler outside his door one of the sisters praying for him in the room it was a sign Cardinal Cody had come to the hospital, even when he didn't want people to know he was there. <laughs> um, so it brought back memories of me as a, a very young and new priest. Uh, they had gotten permission, and his, I think, and I, I could be wrong, but I think his was the first uh, funeral of, that was able to be held there, and uh, uh, and. Uh, uh, and Dr. Del Kika, and it was just a, a real privilege. Again, it, it just speaks how how our faith is something that lives on long after us. The difference we make in people's lives, uh, just just incredible. And people I would meet uh, after the masses at the shrine, uh, when people knew that I had a history there, I had somebody come up and said. He's a doctor. This person introduced himself. His father was one of the doctors at Columbus. Mm-hmm. That father had operated on my brother at Columbus. A history of healing. And to me, uh, sometimes space holds on to the grace. Uh, you can feel it. it. It's almost electric sometimes. Yeah, we've, we've all said uh, it. It is yeah. sacred space, and that's really important. Beautiful. You know, we're going to take a little break. That's just beautiful. It is so true. And, and, and aside, you know, my dad died at Columbus Hospital. Mm. Uh, that space uh, is always sacred to me. And not only the shrine, even though there's somebody's living in a condo on the floor where he died, that space is still is sacred. And it's, it was a gift to our family at that mm. time. And the sisters were responsible for that. And we're going to take a little break. Um, And here's Mother Cabrini's, the final prayer I'll share with you from her retreat notes. Surrender to Jesus. My loving Jesus, I enclose myself in you and surrender myself completely in your loving heart. Enlighten my mind with a ray of your light. Move my heart and soul and make me do whatever pleases you and is for your greater glory. Jesus, I love you so much, but I am so weak that in my ignorance and sinfulness, I still do not know how to correspond, even partially, to all the special graces, loving tenderness with which you surround me. I will think of you and rest in you, my beloved Jesus. Behold your servant. Do with me 
whatever you want. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Services help veterans find and maintain employment through job readiness training, resume writing assistance, mock interviews, and job placement counseling. We work with a wide array of employers and community partners to help veterans reach their career goals. We owe a debt of gratitude to all of our veterans for the sacrifices they made to serve our nation. It is our privilege now to assist them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Employment Program in Cook County, call 773-808-2954. In Lake County, call 847-782-4219. You can also learn more at catholiccharities.net. To all United States veterans, thank you for your service. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Catholic Chicago, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, 312-255-8408. Or you can see us on youtube.com slash catholicchicago. Uh, during the break, Father Ramil and I were chatting. And Ramil, tell folks what you were telling me about that feeling and, and how it stays with you. Father Dom was talking about Right. It. As Father Grassi brought up, uh, just walking into the place brought back a flood of memories. Same thing with myself, as I was telling the story earlier about being in third grade, that would have been 1973. Mm -hmm. so it's 48 years later, and I'm actually saying mass there. Yes. <laughs> so my first encounter of walking back in as a priest, I just thought, this is amazing. From a little kid touching that glass to all of a sudden standing there at the altar, leading, uh, joining the congregation in prayer. Well, it's tell folks that meeting that we had at the cathedral by accident on purpose, because Mother Cabrini directed it. Absolutely. Really. You know, uh, Mark was, he had found out that I was uh, <laughs> given the new title of rector by, by the cardinal, and I just happened to be walking past the conference room, and mm. there were our benefactors who were there to talk to the cathedral about this wonderful gift to the cathedral of a beautiful statue of Mother Cabrini to commemorate her, uh, her life in Chicago. And Mark, you invited mm. me in to just say hello, and it turned out to be a 
two and a half, three hour conversation. It was I, wonderful. <laughs> I it think you had wonderful. to leave for a meeting, and uh, you said, "You're still here." <laughs> 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 providential, absolutely providential. Now, what about the the shrine itself? So today, so we have a year of jubilee. Next October, we'll make sure people know that there's, there's this beautiful statue that's going to uh, be created by Lou Sella, who's done Michael Jordan at the. Uh, he's done tremendous work around the country. He's a plus 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 sculptor. But tell people now, between now and then, in terms of celebrating the holy year and coming to the shrine. Uh, what what will they see there at the shrine? People come. They they're they're welcome through those beautiful golden doors. And one of two ways of doing this. Uh, number one, we're going to have the uh, the holy doors decorated appropriately. Mm-hmm. There will be flyers explaining what is a holy year, what is a jubilee, what are the holy doors, what is an indulgence, what is the mm-hmm. plenary indulgence we're talking about. And there will be a walkthrough of the shrine. And we will have volunteers to allow people to ask questions, to see uh, the, the beautiful artwork. And the second way of doing it as well is to explore Mother's life. When you walk in, immediately to the right, on the north side of the lobby, will be the exhibit mm-hmm. of Mother Cabrini's life beautiful. and her work. And also the setup of the room as she had passed away to eternal life. Now it's interesting because it's it's state of the art. It's it's a one and then if I recall, there's a map where all the s- sisters are now currently ministering. Right. But a, a little aside, because this is going back fifty plus years, you know, Mother Cabrini died in a room. I remember this. It was downstairs. Mm-hmm. You walked in. It was downstairs. That was the original room. Mm-hmm. Then when I started saying uh, saying mass, I mean serving mass. <laughs> there, whoops, uh, serving mass. As you walked out of the side entrance of the chapel, the room was recreated Mm -hmm. there outside the chapel. And by the way, there is a bust of Father Luigi. There was there. Now, the third iteration of that room, now as it looked, as I remember it 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, is now in that beautiful uh, exhibit area. Absolutely, absolutely. And the historical pictures of Mother Cabrini, in fact— you know, you walk in and you see all these beautiful uh, exhibits and pictures and maps, and then there's there's her room, right? A real relic, it's beautiful, literal it's beautiful. relic. Sister Joan, in your experience, um, being a missionary sister, did you ever run into sisters that knew Mother Cabrini, and if they did, what was their take on her? Um, I did run into, I did meet sisters because I've been in the Institute over 50 years. Mm-hmm. So I know that um, the some of the sisters, they, their impression of her was that she was a, a strong woman. Mm-hmm. At times she, um, though she was very loving, she, at times she was a woman with a, with conviction. <laughs> so there were times when she would, you know, confront, you know, and uh, not necessarily yell, but confront people strongly. <laughs> and then she would, then, then she would give them a little uh, sign of reconciliation, a picadino at, or an apple at their, at their place at the table. There was always an outreach and always an openness to the sisters. Yeah. Uh, she was known, uh, I remember Cardinal George using the, the term when at, we opened the shrine, he said she was a tough cookie. You know, when she needed to be, yet <laughs> That's she was what loving I heard. And gentle when she, you know, basically loving and gentle and very caring. And mm-hmm. so she could call if a sister was in trouble. She could call her, you know, come and see me. 
and that meant a trip in those days. It didn't mm-hmm. mean just, you know, going down the street in your car. Mm-hmm. So she had a, a sense of things, but she had a sense of also her own limits. She loved her. She was convinced that the, the, the mission, her mission came out of her relationship with Jesus. Right. So that was the first priority for the sisters, to have a strong relationship with Jesus and believe in trust in his providential love. Because, you know, women in those days left their home country and didn't go home for 40 or 50 years. Right. First right. sisters to go home after Vatican II were our Italians and our Brazilians. Now, now and before, we didn't go home. Before, right, before, we, before we end, Sister Joan, could you tell the story about the violets? So as just a, a little teaser for this beautiful statue. There oh, are, I love this because yeah. I have privilege of doing, um, of doing this uh, pilgrimages in Codonio in northern Italy. With uh, with people from around the world. So let's so let's end with that. Ring. Let's end with that yeah, story the, the, about the violets. Violets. When she was a child, she was went to stay with her uncle, and she was um, she was at, at maybe nine, ten years old. She was uh, she made paper boats and put them in this in the stream in the in the in the village where she was staying with her uncle, and she was sending missionaries to China. <laughs> violets, little paper boats. She fell into the stream and was miraculously saved. Wow. She did, and that was where her fear of water came from. Mm-hmm. So at the grace of imagining missionaries going off to China, she almost died. And she was miraculously saved. And, um, and that, is, that is part of the, the tradition of the violets. And that will be part of the tradition in the, included in the sculpture. And think about that, how her fear of water and how many trips did she go back and forth? At least 24 back and forth across the Atlantic in those days. I mean, and that really just confirmed her deep faith and that God would care for her and take care of her. She trusted Mm -hmm. God's providence. Beautiful. Well, this has been a wonderful. Go ahead, sister. No, no. Even in, even in, in establishing her institutions and in trusting people who are lay people of different faiths to help her. She, she accepted a, any help on behalf of God's people. It wasn't all about her. She accepted it, and she may have demanded it from some folks, too, and did oh, it yes, in yeah. a... Yes, <laughs> Build me a building. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to thank Sister Joan McGlinchey, um, missionary sister of Sacred Heart, uh, for her her wonderful stories today, and Father Ramil Fajardo. Uh, congratulations on being the rector of the shrine. Some wonderful work we'll be working with the Holy Name Cathedral. Father Dom Grassi, thank you for your wonderful stories and your connects uh, with Mother Cabrini. Let's all remember her motto, the mottos of the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. Christ's love heals the world. Let's go out today and practice that motto with our lives. Thank you for listening to Catholic Chicago. Mark Teresi sitting in for Father Greg Sackowitz. Thank you, Michael May. Thank you, Brian Brock, for a wonderful show. And um, have a great day. God bless.